Hello and welcome to Bright Lights Big Data, a podcast about people, places, and data. I'm your planning host, Mike Armstrong. And I'm your data host, Tammy Armstrong. And we are excited to have here with us today, Sarah Myron from the Young Women's Resource Center. Welcome, Sarah. Hi. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for being on the show. So the Young Women's Resource Center is part two in our Give Local series that we're doing this month, featuring local nonprofits that we really love their missions and what they're doing for our local communities. We hope that you will love them as well, especially as you learn more about them and feel hopefully inspired to give of your time, talents, treasures, or what have you. So without further ado... Mike, kick us off. Yeah, so Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and how did you get here? I clearly work at the Young Women's Resource Center. I work as the parenting and life skills specialist with our Young Power for Moms program, and I also coordinate the Mariposa Latinx Empowerment Group for it's an after-school group under the Empowerment Branch. I'm originally from Minnesota, and I moved to Iowa to go to Simpson College down in Indianola. Mm-hmm. I studied sociology, did minors in French, Spanish, and social work, and my passion for especially working with the community and uh, especially like diverse groups and ideally with the Latinx community because I really wanted to connect and um, support immigrants grew. And so I did AmeriCorps afterward because unfortunately right out of college sometimes you can't get a social work job unless you have two years <laughs> yeah. experience. But it was great um, learning experience. I worked originally at uh, Children and Family Urban Movement and then at the Iowa Dream Foundation Des Moines until I became a, a behavioral health caseworker with Orchard Place. And so mm-hmm. with that yeah. position, I did primarily work with uh, Latino families, and we focused on skill building, parenting, uh, communication, and such. And I would it was community-based, so I would run around and go to clients' houses and do practice with them. And then about a year and a half ago, I got connected with my now boss at the Young Women's Resource Center and learned all about the program and seemed like a good fit and a good career growth, um, but also I could still work with the Latinx community through Mariposa. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, So we had this last time with Toby with Iowa Homeless Youth Center. These organizations typically do a lot more than we would originally think. Can you tell us a little bit about sort of the breadth of the organization and what sort of things they do? Definitely. Programming-wise, we have three large branches. There's the Young Power for Moms program, the Empowerment program, which does after-school groups and in-school groups. And I should say the Young Power for Mothers program, we do after-school nighttime groups, actually, as well as in-school groups for young moms in the Des Moines metro area up until they turn 22 is our range. And then the third branch is therapy. So we do have an art therapist, and we we are looking for a therapist (laughs) right now to fill the other position that can work with girls, young women, ages from about 10 years old to 22 years old as well. And so amongst those groups, like there's the Mariposa focus group, clearly for after school, all the after school groups are based off of age, except for that one. And we actually just started a Black Girls Magic group, which is amazing. And there is a group that used to be called Shiro's, and they are now working with some of our staff to do more advocacy. And they're more older girls in high school, generally, who do more service and such. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm wondering now, like, why didn't I pick your brain, like, every Institute month about, like, hey, parenting stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's always a learning curve. Every day it's practice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for question number two, what are some common misconceptions about your work? Focusing 
primarily on the Young Powerful Mothers program, comes with a lot of the misconceptions, I feel like. One main thing, which there actually was an article about one of our moms in the Des Moines Register about a month or so ago, and overall it gave a lot of info. And we want to make sure to really focus on the powerfulness of our moms and the ability for them to be kick-ass. Uh, (laughs) um, because a lot of times when people think of young moms there's a lot of pity and sympathy and for us it's like yes some a lot of the moms might not have planned to become pregnant but at the end of the day they chose to be moms and uh, all our moms are like in school working trying to do the best for their families and have the capacity to do the best as well as a lot of times people think of us as caseworkers like we're just kind of making sure to like check off the boxes but for us it's a lot about the relationship we know if we don't have a relationship with our moms and also with my Mariposa girls they're not going to come back and we're not going to have the effect with support that we want to give and we want to build that safe environment for moms as well as their kiddos because every week we have 40 plus moms pregnant and or parenting and their children in our building and so it's just a beautiful thing. Also, I think a big thing with misconceptions with moms is demographics in general. Like we have moms from all walks of life, education, race, ethnicity, income. I mean, it just can affect everyone, just pregnancy and lack of education and Mm -hmm. wanting to have a family anyway. So, and unfortunately there's that stigma of like moms being irresponsible and such. And that's why we really focus on the positive and all around Badassery. Badassery. <laughs> um, of our moms. Uh, because, yeah, like with anything, with, any, with being a mom of any age, those struggles, and at the same time, they are exceeding expectations and reaching their goals, especially, and can do it better with support, just like any other yeah. parent. Um, and it's just unfortunate that we, as a society, just want to focus on only the struggles. Yeah. So. so for our third question... Like all of these, there's a lot of obvious answers, but we still want to put it to you. Why should the community care about what you do? I feel like, especially with the Young Women's Resource Center, it's the effect on multi-generational families that is so key. Not only with our Young Powerful Mothers program, because we are working with the moms and their kids, and ideally any support we give the moms will largely affect their children in a positive way, but with all our empowerment programs as well and therapy, when you affect one person, it affects their family, and then that those are our neighbors. Those are our community members. Like People forget that we all live around each other and together, <laughs> and we participate in these systems together. And unfortunately, there's this feeling of like one for themselves in mm-hmm. society. And so it's in a way, I kind of think of it as I'd rather be selfish and support other people rather than be selfish and just support myself, kind mm-hmm, of, and, mm-hmm. and actually care about other people because how they're doing also affects me just in yeah. my day-to-day life. And because ultimately our, our moms, their kids, all the other empowerment girls and, and therapy clients, they're in school, they're in our churches, on the road with us, in stores, it affects everyone. Yeah, definitely. That's, uh, I think, been a common theme among some of our guests between Kirsten from the school board, Toby just recently with Iowa Homeless Youth. It's sort of, there is no such thing as, well, my kid is okay, so I don't need to worry about anybody else and their children or other parts of the community. It's sort of, no, I mean, we need to raise children to be productive members of society, you know, people driving around on the roads even, you know. It's not just you, like other people affect you and affect 
how you think about the world around you and how happy you are in the place where you live is affected by your relationships with other people. And so, you know, you, you want those people to be doing as well as you're doing. So, yeah. <laughs> I also would add on that that we primarily focus on clearly girls and young women, which I do want to mention that we define girls and young women as those who are socialized as girls and young women or identify because we want to be inclusive of the LGBT plus community due to a lot of the inequities in our communities. And I know when it comes to like microfinancing organizations, like studies have shown that when you are lifting up, especially the matriarch or woman in the family, they are supporting others in the family. And so it's it's just a very efficient, <laughs> more efficient right. way um, of affecting more people. Clearly, still a need, unfortunately, and but fortunately that there are still resources. Yeah. I feel like we end up talking about this for a lot of different things. So like, there is sort of the empathetic approach to it, but there is also the analytic side of it, too, of like, this has been shown to work well. There is a reason we're doing it this way as well. You know, it does have a wider community impact. Whether we think they impact us or not, they clearly are. Yeah. Um, and also give character to what the city of Des Moines is and what our region is. Like, if we want to live in a great place, this has to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So question number four, what are you most excited about right now? I'm excited about a few key things, at least with young Women's Resource Center right now. One of them being an event we have coming up next week that is free to the public, and it's called the 4030 event. And we're celebrating, it's our culmination of our 40th year anniversary this year. We've had events every single month to celebrate. And also it's celebrating the 30 years that Chrysalis Foundation has funded programming with our programs. And so the event will be this coming Tuesday, December 18th, which actually, when this comes out, it'll be tomorrow, um, (laughs) from 6 to 8 p.m., at the Young Woods Resource Center, 818 Fifth Avenue. And there'll just be like refreshments, live music, some empowerment activities. And just if people want to come by and see some of our work and how things have culminated throughout the year, we'd love to have everyone. Another thing about our organization is we're really focused on resiliency. And we have been doing quote-unquote research, I guess, but trying to follow how resiliency is built in our participants for the past couple years. And there will be some publications, I believe, coming out and trying to essentially see how programming like ours can affect resiliency on an individual basis. And we do that with a resiliency survey that we have our participants take ideally multiple times in order to see how things are going in life. And no matter what is going on, how resilient they might be feeling to overcome pretty much normal struggles, but also co-occurring struggles that tend to affect a lot of our participants. And so I'm, I've only been here a year and a half, like I mentioned, but I'm interested over time to see how those play out. And A lot of our coordination of programming is based off of the themes underneath resiliency of trying to like build relationships and have community worth and connection and skills and this feeling that you know how to do things, mastery of skills. And so that's a pretty exciting thing that is talked a lot about 
in the community, but I'm not sure many other places are actually doing much Mm -hmm. tracking it yet. I'm hopefully in the future more because a lot of people do ACEs and they focus on the adverse childhood experience from the past. uh, But that's just focus on the past and not on how do you move forward and how do you overcome things. So yes, a couple other things that I'm excited about is our doula program, which my coworker mm. Ashley Ezio oversees and supervises, and she's a doula herself, is growing. And I don't know if many listeners know what a doula is, but um, doulas essentially support um, moms when they're going through pregnancy. They generally meet with moms ahead of time about three to four times and then are like an advocate for them while they're giving birth. And it's especially helpful when moms might not feel like they have like the power in the room as much, mm-hmm. but especially with our medical professionals sometimes who tend to override things sometimes and even family members and traditions that get in the way when moms just like they have their plan and it's hard to stick to it when they're focusing on actually giving birth and so having yeah. this person <laughs> next to them uh, think the phrase is like a like a birth cheerleader um, is what they call it and so we're growing that program and trying to also get doulas who have been young moms themselves we've have at least one of our young moms going through the certification and especially doulas who are more representative women of color different mm. ethnicities lgbt plus and so yeah you're um, basically trusting that person with your life and your baby's yes. life like you need to yes. feel like you really trust and identify with that person yeah because we, we had talked about that a little bit yeah, I and mean, it's just one of those of like in the hospital is such a whirlwind and there are a lot yeah. of decisions it's being like, we've made never done any and of it's before. like <laughs> yeah this is all unfamiliar no matter no amount of reading <laughs> preps you for all that um, and with the rule of thumb of whether or not you're in labor is you can't talk through your contractions. <laughs> yeah, how are you going to advocate for yourself? Absolutely. And um, the last thing that I just came to mind of us being excited about is focusing more on the advocacy. Like I mentioned, the group of participants that are trying to do more, but also we have an advocacy committee through the board. And we've been trying to work with our young moms, especially in the high schools this year, about what is something that they want to get behind, that they want to affect in the community, in the city, in the greater world. One main issue that they're dealing with right now is maternity leave, especially for moms in high schools, because you only get two weeks. And that's if that's a systemic, essentially. You can't hear me dropping my job. Yeah. I'm going like, what? Yes. Um, And that's a systemic, like, rule. And people can get advocates, like, if they have a family member, especially, who says, no, I need to get homework, and they're going to stay home longer. But unfortunately, that's not systemic yet. And so it is very difficult when our moms like only get two weeks and maybe their like counselor or teacher gets six weeks at least. Right. Yeah, yeah, FMLA says you have up to 12. How can we not spread this to our schools? That's Yes. Yes. So certain topics like that, we're hoping to move forward and see what we can do. And we do like have contacts on the school board and, but we want to look into why has this come down this way for one thing and how do we make it more equitable? Because we all know that the first, especially the first month, especially the first three months Mm -hmm. and even longer are so important for attachment with kiddos and that is so important for mental health and future physical ability like just just everything i can barely walk after two weeks Mm -hmm. still i mean and and sleeping and like i can't imagine trying to go back to work or school say nothing about being at an age where you're in school and that's hard enough already and i'm i'm outraged yes so that's uh it's exciting though that we have the advocacy Mm -hmm. it's just it's taking on a lot of those systemic struggles that maybe we can have some change with and hopefully yeah 
And we are, of course, very excited as well to hear about the resiliency surveys. Yes. Collecting hard data yes. over time, which is great. Um, we've certainly talked a lot about struggles with a lot of our projects of you do a program, but the evaluation doesn't happen. So mm -hmm. how do you promote that program later or continue it? Definitely. Yeah. Before we move on, kind of a, a special question for our, our nonprofit guests. How can our listeners support Young Women's Resource Center? Well, there are definitely lots of ways. Clearly, monetary donation is mm -hmm. always welcome. Because yeah. <laughs> frankly, we know that the largest expense usually is employees. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we unfortunately can't do the scope of the work that we want to do with not as many employees. And so that's always much appreciated. But we also love volunteers. Our office really functions with volunteers that provide meals for our moms that come and do childcare during our groups that even help like sort through diapers and sort through hygiene projects and stuff so that all of our participants can get what some of their basic needs are that they might not get elsewhere. So any of those. And then on top of it, we actually have a donation list, I'm sure. People can check it on the website, and we're pretty much always in need of formula, mm -hmm. shampoo, conditioner, hygiene products, especially nowadays. We're trying to really push for products for like curling, kinky hair, and products that aren't just based off of like white Anglo body types. So, awesome, uh, yeah, and we'll be sure to include a link to the Young Women's Resource Center website uh, in the show notes. All right, so our last question of the day. What should we have for dinner tonight? This was a really hard one. Um, this is why we, we just have this enormous list now that we keep. Legit ate popcorn last night. We need the help. <laughs> the, well, first, the Minnesotan me is always like, teardown hot dish is where it's at. Um, and so, yeah, although any, I mean, that's my favorite. Um, there's also a thing that my grandpa would make, which I don't know if anyone in Iowa can make. It's called Plowed Field. It's the best dessert ever. Yes. Um, it's like marshmallow fluff with like graham cracker and it's like <sighs> anyway. Um, so maybe it. someday I'll have to make it for people because yeah. it's not very common. Uh, but with, if you need to go out, especially um, I don't know if you've been to Tacos La Familia on 6th Avenue. Mm -hmm. They It's 6th in college. It's Everything on their menu is amazing, especially the carne asada. Oh, and their birria is so good. And agua de piña. It's just uh, everything. So. Awesome. We love Fantastic. restaurant recommendations. Well, Sarah, thank you again so much for joining us and for telling us all about the great work that Young Women's Resource Center does in our community. Thanks for having me again. And we're back. Thanks again to Sarah Myron for sharing uh, all about Young Women's Resource Center and the great work that they do there. It was really great to hear more about their organization. Yeah, it was one that I didn't know as much about going into, but it's just fascinating hearing the different things that they work on and just overall like an exciting and really important organization for Des Moines. Yeah, I really appreciate that there are so many organizations that really specialize in areas that there is such a strong need for. One of the things I wanted to follow up with, um, Sarah shared with us a copy of the 2017-2018 annual report for Young Women's Resource Center. And uh, it's a really nice little report kind of sharing some of the different facts and figures about the organization and the work that they did in this year and the impact that it's had, including some of those resiliency outcomes and the rate of trauma experienced by youth and just some of those interesting 
interesting things that kind of just talk about and really speak to the the need for what their organization does as well as the effectiveness. Um, so it's always great when an organization can tell that story. And one of the things that really kind of piqued my interest was this overall number of 1,721, which is the number of individual clients served through their empowerment, young moms, and therapy programs. And it got me thinking of, like, that's a large number. I mean, that's a lot of people Mm -hmm. to deal with in a single 12-month period, Um, not to mention uniquely. I mean, obviously, these aren't just, like, one touch per year. This is throughout a year, like, an extended relationship. And ranging generally from the ages of 10 to 21, they have a little bar graph showing the age of their clients, and they have a bar for the 0 to 8 age range, but clarify that that's really reflecting the age of the children of their primary clients. So to have, you know, 1,700 individual clients in that 10 to 21 year range, that's a lot of young women in need who are getting great services. And it got me kind of wondering, like, what percentage of that demographic as a whole does that make up? And so... I'm not going to say that this is exact, and I and I haven't run these numbers by Young Women's Resource Center, so I don't know if they kind of do this on their own anyway, but I did some sort of back-of-the-envelope calculations looking at some statistics put out by Iowa State and their um, Women's Center and census estimates through 2016-2017, and kind of combined with, you know, what proportion of the Iowa State population does the Des Moines metro region represent, and kind of putting all those numbers together, I'm, I'm estimating that that 1,700 women makes up a solid 3 to 4% of all of the women in the 10 to 21 years of age range in the Des Moines metro. Yeah. Which is, I mean, when you think about a social service like that, like, that's kind of huge. Yeah. Yeah. Just you think of these things like, oh, they're, you know, helping out the the very few who have sort of fallen through the cracks. Like, no, this mm-hmm. is, we talked about having a large impact, and this is a very mm-hmm. large impact for the region that, you know, this is people we know, people we mm-hmm. interact with, sometimes ourselves, that go through these phases and need this type of support. So thanks again to Sarah, and thanks to the Young Women's Resource Center for everything they do for the area and for uh, young moms and young women This will be our last episode for the Give Local month. Um, We will actually have one more at the very, very end of December, Um, but that'll be kind of a year-end wrap-up for us, talking Mm -hmm. about some of the things that happened in our field, some of the things that happened locally, and just, you know, we made it to, this is our 15th episode um, of the year. So we're really excited about the things that we've done. We're excited for a lot of things that are happening locally, so we have plenty of more great guests that will come in the next year. You'll hear plenty more from us throughout the next year. There's a lot of things that, you know, have just really sparked an interest and we're happy to pursue and share with all of you. One of the other exciting things that we've talked about is the potential of a live show in 2019. So we have a a few leads on that, but it's going to happen. It's just a matter of where and when. So we'll let you know as soon as we know. Definitely. 
something else exciting is the Podcast Iowa Network. We're um, happy and, and honored to be included in the Podcast Iowa Network. They recently kind of got started and have grown really quickly. It's been really surprising to see just how many podcasts there are in Iowa. So make sure you check them out at podcastia.com and check out great shows like Welcome to My Show and the Iowa Starting Line podcast. Yeah, we're always happy to support Plug and be a part of these sort of local networks, and this is another way to do that. Yeah. So we hope you've enjoyed our Give Local series and feel inspired and encouraged to reach out to these organizations, support them in whatever way you can, or even just to support any other organization that you've been thinking about. Uh, It's kind of that time of year when people most think about giving with their pocketbooks. Uh, And let us know, you know, what other organizations do you care about? What organizations do you give to locally um, at this time or any other time of year? We'd love to hear that. Yeah, these are two fantastic examples, but there are a lot of great ones out there in the Des Moines region. So whichever one kind of resonates with you, please do consider giving, volunteering, getting involved, um, just getting to know what's happening in your community. And, and I think one of the great things about that, too, is that these local organizations, they are at a smaller scale. I mean, they do an amazing work, but it really adds emphasis to that idea that every dollar counts. You know, they are much smaller budgets than your larger organizations, which are also great, also do great work. But the kind of impact that you can have as a donor to those organizations, I think can just really be felt in a different way. And if that's something that moves you and inspires you to give, please be aware of that. Yeah, so that'll do it for us today. We're really excited to talk to these nonprofits. There are others that will, you know, certainly be on the show in the future. But this has been Bright Lights, Big Data, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.